If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, let's turn to Matthew, the second chapter. Matthew, the second chapter. Now that song, the first Noel we sang, I guess I've probably sang that song before, but it tells the story that I want to preach on today. So as you're turning to Matthew, we'll read here in a minute. And be ready to go elsewhere because we've got several other scriptures we're going to be looking at here today. But I'm, I'm excited and I'm, I'm ready for Christmas. You know, we're in our Advent season right now, our, our Advent journey. And of course, Christmas will be the climax next week, which is on Sunday this year. And that's, that's pretty exciting in itself. But uh, what I want to do first of all this morning before we begin reading is I want to talk about some of the characters that their witness spoke about Jesus' glory, the aspect of Jesus' glory. And, and each one of these uh, accomplished that goal. Elizabeth, if you remember Elizabeth, she was the mother of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth gave testimony that Jesus is Lord. Another one was the shepherds. You remember they were the ones that first received the news about Jesus' birth. And they reported the words of the angel when they said, He is the Savior. Some of you may have remembered Simeon who came along a little later on after Jesus was born. And he bore witness that Jesus is the Christ. Anna, a prophetess, spoke of Him as the Redeemer. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at this narrative about the three wise men who very clearly bear witness that Jesus is the King. Now, as a lot of kids, as far as they're concerned, what is Christmas all about? It's about that Christmas tree and about all those presents that are under that Christmas tree. And Christmas gifts are, are a very important part of Christmas. They demonstrate how we love one another, how we care for one another and value others. In part, believe it or not, the tradition of giving Christmas gifts goes back to the wise men. In this original Christmas narrative, we're going to see they are best known for the gifts that they brought the baby Jesus as they recognized who he was and why his birth was of such importance, why it mattered so much. Now, this narrative that, that we're fixing to read in, in our text, the wise man is a narrative that is shrouded in mystery. For tradition, we, we think that we know all there is to know about the wise men. And if I ask you today, how many wise men were there, what would your answer be? You would say three. Do you realize that's not biblical? I'm going to show you that here in just a second. But as we study this Scripture, we're going to find 
that there are a lot of questions about these wise men that we cannot answer because we just don't know and and we're going to look at this from our biblical text. Okay, y'all in Matthew? Amen. Y'all in chapter 2? I'm going to begin in verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. Now, uh, another way of referring to the wise men is Magi, M-A-G-I, from the east to Jerusalem, saying, notice what they ask, where is he, Jesus, that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, Art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of, of thee shall come a governor, that word governor is ruler, that shall rule or shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called or secretly called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now, keep your Bibles open right there. Now, you notice in our narrative there, it did not say there was three wise men. You know, so, you know, we asked the question, how many wise men were there? Well, we just don't know. You know, where did they come from? We don't know that either. Uh, How long did their journey take? We, We don't know that either because the Bible simply does not tell us. But what it does tell us is they seem to show up mysteriously and just as mysteriously they were gone but one thing I'm certain about is the number of wise men and wise women increase in every generation as people continue to seek the Christ notice in verse 1 it tells us that the Magi were from the east Nothing else is said about their origin. But uh, when we use that word magi, that is the same Greek word for which we get the word magician. Now, there is a similar group 
that is mentioned back in the book of Daniel. And they are a group of advisors to the kings of uh, Babylon and Persia. And the reason that is of significance, the king called on these guys to interpret mysteries for them, difficult mysteries, riddles, or dreams that they had. Daniel himself belonged to this group. But before he could belong to this group, he had to go to their university and study for three years. Now, let's look at some facts that we can learn from this narrative of the wise men as we begin our Advent journey this morning. My first observation is this. The wise man journey took faith. It took faith. You notice what they say. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. Now, what I want you to think about is this. What would prompt someone to just leave their home, to leave their country, and go on a dangerous journey? Well, romance, yeah. Uh, Wealth, most definitely. But faith, yeah, faith. Look what they ask. Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews. Now, that's a very probing question because there is no doubt in their language that he had been born. You notice the question is, where is he? So they had seen the star. They, they had real evidence. They believed, you know. Now the question is, where is he? They had faith that he was alive. That he existed. Now all they needed to do was simply find him. So that's what they're trying to do. Their purpose was established. So find him. So you see they were willing to risk everything to find him. They, they were willing to leave the safety of their homes. To risk this perilous journey to seek a king. Now, can you imagine what their neighbors thought about them when they started preparing to go on this journey? You know, their, their neighbors said, y'all going on a journey? Yeah, we are. That's what we're going to do. Well, where are you going? We don't know. Well, how far is it? Well, Yonders. Well, how long are you going to be gone? I reckon till we get back. We don't know. And you could just hear the neighbor saying, Boy, for wise men, y'all don't know very much, do y'all? And that's the way it looks. But, you know, you think about this. These guys were men of faith. What do you think people thought of Abraham? When, when, when he left his home for the promised land. What do you think that people said about Noah when he started building the boat? And I mean, it was a boat. 
out in the middle of nowhere. And do you realize when Noah started building that boat that it had never rained on the face of the earth? Up till then, it had never rained. They must have said the same kind of things about Peter and Andrew and John and James when they left their fishing net to become fishers of men. You know, I'm sure when you talk about all these guys that I've just mentioned, people were, were, were asking them, are y'all crazy? You know, are, are you insane? Are you out of your mind? I know people ask me that all the time. But not crazy, not insane. They were men of faith. That's what they were. So, what I want you to see this morning is God's journey always involves faith. I want you to flip to Hebrews the 11th chapter. Look in verse 6. Uh, 11. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently Seek Him. Now, I want you to think about this. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe who He is. You know, we, we, we have to believe that not only He exists, but that He cares enough to respond to ever whomever seeks Him diligently, it said in that verse. So, Christianity is simply a walk of faith. Uh, you know, and the, the, you think about these wise men, they didn't have a lot of information in front of them. You know, they didn't have the privilege of pulling out Google Maps and going on Google to point them in the right direction. It says they were following a star. And, and, and there was evidence in, in Scripture that the star itself was what was leading him. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Even though they were following it, they were not 100% sure they were going to find him when they got there, you know, what they were looking for. But they believed. And we see that evidence. Go back to Matthew. I should have told you all to put a bookmark there. But you go back to Matthew to verse, verse 2. They asked Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So, they believe that Jesus is the king of Jews and that the star would lead them to him. 
They were not the only ones that saw that star. But they were the only ones that acted on it. They, they, they took action. They had faith that it was a sign from God announcing Jesus' birth. They believed that. Now they seemed to know some of the scriptures and what the prophets had said about Jesus, and they believed that as well. So what did this belief lead them to do? It, it led them to take action. It led them to get up out of their comfort zone and go. And right there's the difficult part for us. It's hard for us to get up out of our comfort zones and go. Now, they wanted and were willing to sacrifice comfort and security and to see this child and worship him. They were willing to face the ridicule of their friends. They were willing to leave their homes. They were willing to leave their places of comfort. They would seem that they also were willing to forego their means of making money because they had no way of making a living on this journey, on this period of time. You know, not only were they not paid, but the Bible tells us that they brought expensive gifts with them. Why? Because of faith. Now, that was point number one. Point number two that I want you to see this morning is the wise man's journey is one of worship. The wise man's journey is one of worship. When the wise men came on their journey, it was with a purpose. And that purpose was to worship Jesus. They brought with them gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these three gifts have a lot of symbolism associated with them. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. But first of all, gold represents wealth. In other words, it is, it, it is a gift fit for royalty. It was a gift fit for a king. Why? Because Jesus is king of kings. Frankincense was a gift of deity. Now what frankincense is, frankincense is the sap from a tree that was dried and it was hardened and it was used as incense to worship God. So we see that Jesus is the Son of God, so that is the reason a gift of deity. Myrrh? Myrrh was a fragrant perfume. You know, it was used to anoint a body, to embalm a body, to, to uh, uh, preserve a body. Jesus was a sacrificial lamb. So that's the significance of that. But I want you to see this morning that there is more to worship than, than, than just gold and frankincense and myrrh. Worship also involves sacrifice. Now, was there a price to be paid for these wise men's worship? Yes. 
Because they had given themselves to this journey. They had dedicated themselves to this journey. And you just think about this. Travel in this time that we're talking about wasn't easy. It was not comfortable. There wasn't anything really fun about it. It it, it was just kind of downright dangerous if you get right down to it. So these wise men had sacrificed their own comfort to find the king and worship him. I want you to look at what David said about sacrifice. Turn to 2 Samuel 24. Second Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24. Y'all got it? Amen. Amen. And the king said unto Arorna, I'm probably saying that wrong, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer, get this, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, my God, of that which doeth cost me nothing. So David brought the thrashing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels, of silver. This is what the Bible tells us in Romans 12:1. It says in Romans 12:1, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Now you can jot that note down Romans 12, 1. Go back later and look at that more in detail. I've got a sermon on that. I probably need to get out and preach to y'all. But yes, this journey was a journey of worship. Now, are y'all, did y'all keep your finger in Matthew? Go back to Matthew. Look in verse 11. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now after this long journey, we don't know how far it was, we don't know how long it took, they finally arrive. And you notice their action was very simple. What did they do? It says they fell down and they worshipped Him. What a great response. Jesus, the God-man, Jesus, God's one and only Son, deserved their worship. Let me show you something else here. Go to Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to show you something you may know, you may not know. 
Did I tell y'all what verse? Philippians, the second chapter. Let's look in verse 10. Y'all got it? Amen? Philippians 2, verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, these wise men were the very first in recorded history to do that. What does it say in Philippians? Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. The wise men were the first ones in history to do that. There's your Bible trivia for the day. And here's what I want you to know. Think about this. No one told them to do this. No one made them. They chose to worship Him. And they were the first of many to do that. Now, Why is that important for us? To worship requires sacrifice. The greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice you can give God, you know what it is? Yourself. You said it. Yourself. Listen to me. Now, you may say, well, yeah, That's true, but I haven't given nothing to Him today. And I say to you, yes, you have. That's exactly right, Gary. You came here. You see, you you have given up something of yourself. In other words, you got up this morning. You got dressed. You went out and got in your car, burned your gas to come here. So you gave of yourself. You could have stayed in the hunting stand, couldn't you? Or you could have cleaned your deer. Or you probably already done that. But you could have made an excuse, couldn't you, and say, I don't have time. But you see, there's a sacrifice. You could have done anything you wanted to do, but yet you chose to be here today. So you gave of yourself. You made that sacrifice. You know, and and, and something else you may not even think about. When when you walk in, we've got our offering box back there. And you dropped money in that offering box. You are continuing God's work. You say, well, how can that be? Well, this church has got to have money to pay the electricity bill, the water bill, to, to stay warm. You know, it's here for anyone who wants to come. That's God's work. Think about if this church wasn't here. People would not have a place to worship. This is the only church in Rockwood, right? It's an old one. Oh, there was another one. But, but you see what I'm talking about. You know, the little church that 
I pastor in Melvin, there's what? In that little town of 150, 200 people, there's five churches. You don't think we're competitive? (laughs) But there is. But that's a good thing. But all of that is just part of God's program. So when we come today, and we just read it there in Philippians, you know, we come as a living sacrifice. Maybe you don't even view it that way. Maybe you never even thought or realized it. But the efforts that you make to worship God is your sacrifice to Him. but, But here's a fact that I want you to remember. If you don't get anything else today, get this. What God wants, most of all, above anything else, is you and me. That's what He wants. He wants your heart. He wants your attention 24-7. The question to ask is, what am I willing to give Him? What am I willing to do for Him? Am I willing to give Him my best? Am I willing to go on a spiritual journey to worship Him? Am I willing to get up out of my comfort zone and follow Him? The wise men were. My question to y'all today is, are you? Are you ready? I need to pause here just for a second and footnote and say this. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing Him, trusting Him, prizing Him, and enjoying Him. In other words, place Him above everything else. And then that deep, joyful, sacrificial satisfaction in Jesus Christ allows us to demonstrate and praise and worship and love Him above all else. One more point, and then I'm going to go. A wise man's journey is one of change. Look in verse 12 of Matthew. It says, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Isn't it interesting this morning that after they worshiped Jesus, they could not go back the same way that they had come. And I find that to be a fact even today. Why do I say that? Because once you have met Jesus Christ, 
you'll never be the same again. An encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes you. It's always been that way. Y'all remember Jacob? Jacob wrestled with God. And he never walked the same way the rest of his life. You remember Isaiah. Isaiah stepped into the presence of God. And this is what he said in Isaiah 6.5. Woe is for me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He was never the same again. How about Jacob? I mean, not Jacob, I'm sorry. Job. You remember what happened to Job? All of that bad stuff that happened to Job. And he kept questioning God. He kept asking God over and over again about his suffering. And this is the thing that's really neat. And I'm going to tell you where this is in a minute. You go look and study this. But Job basically, in essence, he said, if I ever get the chance to talk to God, I'm going to give Him a piece of my mind. That's in essence what he says. You find it in in Job 40 verses 4 and 5. But this is what he says. When God shows up, I'm speechless. In awe, words fail me. I should have never opened my mouth. I've talked too much, way too much. I'm ready to shut my mouth and just listen. You see, Job met God, and he was a changed man. In fact, it says that these wise men went home by another way. That tells me they were changed. They were changed profoundly. Whatever they believed, whatever they revered, whatever philosophy they possessed, it was all transformed by seeking Jesus, by humbling themselves in His presence. And that right there is a picture of wise leadership. They knew what they were doing. And I want to tell you this. And I've got to wrap this up. But God can use men and women like that today. If we'll just respond to Him. You see, when we seek Jesus, when we humble ourselves in His presence, then He can use us. And that's what happens when we walk in the presence of God. We become changed. We're not the same anymore. That's what happened to the wise men. They were changed. You know, these gifts that they brought just shows a person how much they matter to us. And we've talked about sacrificing. Where we'll move past just lip service, and express our allegiance that cost us something. And of course, Jesus doesn't need anything from us, but as King, 
we can give Him our obedience. We can give Him our service. Because He deserves it. Jesus is everything to us. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house today. Father, just thank You for loving us. Father, most of all, we thank You for Your Son that You sent to us, Father. And we're going to celebrate His birth next week. And Father, I hope each one of us takes time out to remember just how important He is in our lives. Father, just forgive us where we fail You. Just help us to know when we do. And to just simply say we're sorry. And get up and try harder next time. Father, I thank You for the folks that are here today. I know we're short in number, Father, but we certainly pray for all the ones that are not with us. Some are off visiting. Some are sick, Father. And we just ask that You watch over and protect them, Father. All the folks that we have on our prayer list, we lift each and every one up to You. There's needs there, Father, and we just ask that Your Spirit move in a special way, that You just wrap Your loving arms around them and let them know how near You are. Father, as we leave this place today, we just ask that You guide and direct our lives, Father, that You continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. And we'll be careful to praise Your holy name and give You all the honor and glory. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.